All right, we are, we're talking about the, the teachings of Jesus Christ and talking about the Beatitudes. If you would stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. It says, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You may be seated. Now, our theme this year, if you remember, all the way back to the beginning of the year, our theme this year is roots. Getting back to the beginning of our faith, returning to our first love. Remember in the book of Revelation, uh, the messages to the seven churches, one of the messages to one of the churches was, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, I'm thankful for you, but I have one thing against you. And that one thing is that you have left your first love. And he says, return to me and, and remember the former things. Remember the things that you've done, you knew in the past, the way you were in the past, the things you've done in the past, and return to them because that is what will restore your faith and your purpose and your power and will truly get your life back on track. Now, to make that practical for us, I would say this. If there was ever a time in your life where you were stronger in your faith, more passionate in service, and more committed to ministry, that's where you need to return to. If you are at a place in your life where you are farther away or less committed or less passionate about serving Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about being busy in the church. I'm talking about in your heart, knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it and the passion for which you're doing it and the path, passion with which you are doing it. Then that's what you need to try to get back to. We're doing this by learning or relearning the basics of living for Jesus and following him, getting back to our roots, reminding ourselves of his first basic teachings. And that's why we started off with the Beatitudes here in Matthew chapter 5. If you remember, quickly reviewing last week, if you remember, talked about our level of commitment, because that's what this really gets to, our level of commitment, your level of commitment. And I, I speak a lot in uh, collective terms, but truly, it needs to be personal to each one of us. Each one of us needs to be able to analyze and evaluate ourselves and where we are and be ready and willing to make whatever changes are necessary to get ourselves back to what we need to get back to. What we're talking about is your level of commitment, your level of commitment uh, to Christ in your life, the level of commitment to his plan, his purpose for you, in your life. That includes your level of commitment in a godly Christian marriage. That includes your level of commitment in your service to church. That includes your level of commitment in anything in life that mean, that, that has to do with serving God. And that's what we started talking about. It's a level of full surrender. Now, we broke it down here in this next beatitude which, in which Jesus says, blessed or happy 
are those who are pure in heart. Those who are pure in heart. We started talking about that last week. John Piper said this, the heart is what you are in the secrecy of your thought and feeling when nobody knows but God. And what you are at the invisible root matters as much to God as what you are at the visible branch. It's written in Samuel this way, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Remember we looked in Matthew 15, verses 18 through 19, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a man. That's my, uh, Matthew 15, 18 through 19. And then Matthew 12, 33 and 34 we said either make the tree good. And then I love the phrasing of this because this is like, this is an either or. This is, you can't be in the middle. You can't be riding the fence. Jesus says this, it's either or. It's one or the other, okay? If you're, if you're putting on a facade, then you're not, you haven't made a choice one way or the other. If you're putting on a show at church, then you haven't made that choice. You haven't chosen one or the other. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the, true, for the tree is known by its fruit. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Man, that is just so point blank, isn't it? Either make the tree good, either choose to live your life for Jesus Christ, either choose to to." Put everything else off to the side. Put everybody else's opinion about you off to the side because opinions, listen folks, let's be honest. We spend way too much time being concerned about what other people think of us, right? We spend way too much time think, being so concerned and too concerned about whether or not we are in people's good graces. And I think a huge part of that today is social media. And we're raising a generation of young people who get their validation and their self-worth from the like button or the whatever button it is on whatever social media platform they're on at the time. That's how young people evaluate themselves. And quite honestly, it's moved its way up the ages. You, how, uh, you, know, you don't have to answer, but how many of you look to count how many likes you have on something? Listen, your value is not in your Facebook post. Your value is not found in your Instagram account. Your value is in the service that you give to Jesus Christ. Your value is in your heart and how your heart is situated and how your heart is prepared for what you do. That's where it matters. That's what truly matters. We talked about our first point was what, what does it mean to be pure in heart. It's well and good to know these verses, to be able to quote these verses. It's well and good to know the principles, but unless you understand them, then they're doing us no good. So we, I gave you some definitions for the word pure here. Generally, it means to be clean, able to be used as in a cup or a dish. Ethically, it means to be free from corrupt desire, from sin and guilt. And personally, it means to be sincere and genuine, blameless, innocent unstained with the guilt of anything. Now, we all battle guilty feelings, right? We all have guilt. We have guilt about our, fast, about our past, and we beat ourselves up with it. And if we don't, somebody else will. 
Bible says to be pure in heart is to be free from that guilt. Not that, it's, not that it never happened, but being able to move on from it. Not being stuck there. Not being stuck in that place. Listen, you cannot, and you know this. I mean, this is just, this is life 101. You cannot change the past. But you sure can allow the past to change your future. For good or bad. You can learn from your mistakes and choose to be better. Or you can choose to wallow in the guilt and the shame and the anger and the frustration of your past, what you did or what somebody did to you, and not move forward and just simply spin your wheels in the mud of guilt. Jesus says, don't do that. The happy people that follow me are the people that are pure at heart. The people who have let go of the guilt and the people who are moving forward. Next thing I said was that it's to be singularly focused, not mixed with other loves or passions. To be singularly focused on Jesus, singularly focused on his plan and his purpose for your life, allowing that to permeate everything you do, allowing it to weave its way into everything you do in life. And I said it means to be protective, protective of your testimony. That's a throwback, right? We don't use that, that, that language anymore. But protective of your testimony, protective of how you present yourself. Your testimony is, is partly how you present yourself, but partly in how you present Jesus to others, how you live Jesus. So we're to, to be pure in heart is to be protective of our testimony, protective of our worldview. Tough one nowadays, isn't it? There's a lot. Listen, man, there's a lot of tough teaching that applies to today. There is, I, I read articles every week, almost every day, and get emails from both sides of the Christian worldview where people are desperately trying to either hang on to a Christian worldview or to change the view of the church to be more like the world. Bible says to be pure in heart is to be protective of your worldview, keeping the main thing the main thing, keeping your focus on what truly matters in life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you don't live life. It doesn't mean that you don't get involved, but it means that you understand why you're getting involved. Some of you get involved in uh, committees. You get involved in in uh, in all kinds of things out there. I, I think that's awesome. Listen, I I have outside pursuits other than this church. But what I do outside of here and outside of my role as a pastor, I try to do for the kingdom of God. And that's what you should do in business, in work, in relationships. Everything should be done with, with the testimony of Jesus Christ through our lives in view. But at the same time, it means to be free. We're not in bondage to anything. If you remember the Kirk, Frank, Kirk Franklin quote I gave to you last week, if they don't have nail prints in their hands or scars on their forehead, you don't owe them an explanation. Stop worrying. Stop worrying about what other people think of you. Stop it. Stop being so concerned about whether you're liked or not. Jesus said, it's not going to happen. If you, live, if you live for me, guess what? You're not going to be popular with everybody. It's just not going to happen. So choose to be who you are in Christ. Choose to live that way and let the chips fall where they may. That brings us to point number two. How do we live with a pure heart? 
Now, we understand what a pure heart is from the Bible, what the Bible has to say. But how do we make that practical? Because that's the big idea, right? That's the big idea we're trying to get to. How do we live life with a pure heart like Jesus is talking about here? How do we go about living life with a pure heart? How do we make sure that we do our dead level best not to be a hypocrite? Not to be, uh, not to be, uh, have our foot, our, our one foot in, in one world and one foot in the other. How do we, how do we put this into practice so that we live singularly, singularly focused for the will of God? Well, the first thing I believe is this. I think we, we have to understand what it, how we should live by knowing how we shouldn't live. Okay. The Bible has encouragements but the Bible also has warnings. The first one is this. We're not to live the way society lives. Okay? We're not to live the way society lives. If I preached this message 50 years ago, it would be a, kind of a different story because society had much more of a morality, much more of a biblical emphasis and focus. Nowadays, man, the lines are drawn clearly. Right? The lines between living for Jesus and not living for Jesus are drawn clearly. It's called living in a post-Christian world. And quite honestly, people were always living differently. They were just putting on a better show. So as a Christian who wants to live the way Jesus tells us to, to be pure in heart, we're not to live the way society lives. Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 19 say this, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They, become callous and gave, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Man, that's, that's a pretty harsh indictment. And quite honestly, it's a very good description of where our society is today. There's nothing that's too far anymore. There's nothing that is out of the realm of possibility. It started back in the 60s and 70s when truth came under attack, right? Truth became relative. And now everybody has their own truth. Well, listen, Christian, you need to get it straight in your mind. There is not truth for Everybody can't have their own truth. There is truth. Truth is truth. That's just the fact of the matter. How you interpret that truth and whether you accept that truth and whether you acknowledge that truth, that matters. Whether you choose to ignore it and live how you want is up to you. Whether you choose to acknowledge it and live according to that truth, that's up to you. But truth is truth. We have to make sure we understand that we all have experiences within the truth of life, but truth is truth. You can't change that. What is it that Paul says here describes the way society lives? First of all, futile thoughts, futile thoughts, thoughts that just don't matter in the long run. Thoughts that just, you know, we're, the, the description now is we have like a 15-minute 15-minute attention span. And it's all about the news cycle, right? It's got to be, it's got to, it's only going to last for a little while because the news cycle changes. Well, that may be, and that's called life being lived. 
But we as Christians need to be able to look beyond the news cycle. We need to be able to look beyond what's going on and see the big picture of Jesus Christ. No matter who's president, no matter who's in Congress, no matter who's in control, no matter who's attacking whom across the world, no matter what's going on, no matter what disease is raging, Jesus still died for humanity. And the fact of the matter is, if we get our hearts and our minds and our eyes distracted by what's going on around us and forget what's truly happening, what truly matters in this life as followers of Jesus, then we will become ineffective witnesses. We'll become distracted and we'll pick up causes rather than pick up purpose. Causes come and go. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is forever. And that's what matters. Remember, being politically right will not get you to heaven. Being morally and ethically right will not get you to heaven. Accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior is what will get you to heaven. Now, I know there are people, and I get these emails as well, that you can't, there's one, there's one, I, I, I keep getting, I, I don't block them out because it's, because uh, I, I, I like, I like to see what is going on. But there's, uh, some of you don't, don't throw anything back at me, okay? I'm, I'm just, just brace yourselves. You cannot be a Democrat and be, a, and be saved. That's what, that's what these people say. You cannot be a Democrat and be saved. Like, man, you just, you just don't get, you don't just don't get the gospel. Okay. I, I'll tell you what, man, I, you look at the other side and, uh, I, I gotta tell you, I don't see, a, I don't see a whole, I'll, I'll kind of just say this. I'll just say it this way, not to get in. I don't see a whole lot of Jesus stuff coming out of either of the major political parties. All right. So let's just put politics aside. And Jesus didn't run for political office. Jesus died for our sins. That's what we need. Now, I'm not saying don't be a good citizen. I'm not saying make up your mind and be who you want to be and what you want to be and, and even take up a cause. I, I think that's great. I think that's awesome. I'm trying to make a difference in my life outside of this church as well as inside of this church. What I'm saying is don't be so shallow as to look at the whims and the fancies of society to fashion your Christianity out of. Keep your mind focused on the word of God and live that way. They have futile thoughts. They have lack of understanding of the ways and teachings of God. Christian, the Bible must be your source, not the internet, okay? Not the internet, even if it's the Bible on the internet, check them out. Anytime I see an article, this is what I, you want to know what I do. Anytime I see an article or an essay or anything like that, I check immediately, I check out who the author is. And if I'm not familiar with the author, then I, go, I Google them. I do a search on them. And I most of them will have their own website and they'll have their own history. And I check it, I check them out. I check, because I don't want to, I don't want to read somebody's writing with, um, with the wrong attitude and under, not understanding what, uh, what viewpoint they're coming from. I need to know where they're coming from. Because everything we read goes into our minds. And everything we see and read and hear has an effect on us. So it's important that you know what their source is so that you can match it up with your source.
But Christian, your source should be the Word of God. Society doesn't understand the true teachings of the Word. Our Constitution doesn't understand the true teachings of the Word of God. Okay? You, if you want to fight me on that, I'll just tell you this straight up. The Constitution was written and, and put in effect in a time where quite a few of, of our folks here weren't counted as human beings. So um, while it is a great document to govern by, it is not biblical truth. Okay, everybody understand what I'm saying? I'm not knocking it. I'm not a communist. Don't throw me, don't throw me out of America. But understand, understand that the Constitution, just like your old hymn book, is not the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. That has to be our source. Stop, stop worrying about your rights as an American and start being concerned about your responsibility as a Christian. Okay? Start being concern more concerned about your responsibility as a Christian than you are about who's trampling on your rights. I'm not saying don't stand up for it, please. I feel like I have to qualify everything in today's day and age. I'm not saying don't stand up for your rights. Please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't vote because we need to vote. You need to be a good citizen and you need to be informed. But folks, the higher authority is the word of God in your life. And I'll tell you, as that Kirk Franklin quote, if they don't have scars in their hands and on their forehead, their opinion doesn't matter. If you can justify your stand and your belief according to principles from the word of God, then God bless you. I, was talk I think I was talking to Maya uh, this week. I said, Maya, my thing is, if I, I, I know that when I make a controversial decision, my, my point, my drawing point on it is, will I be okay? Am I okay standing for Jesus and answering for it? That's my, that, that's my line in the sand. Will I be okay standing before Jesus answering for what I did and what I said and how I lived? That's my, that's my line in the sand. The word callous here in Ephesians chapter 4 means apathetic or insensitive. Becoming apathetic and insensitive towards the things of this world. As Christians, we've kind of lost this understanding that we are supposed to be looking out for the least of these. We're supposed to be looking out for those who are in need. We're supposed to be looking out for opportunities to help. We're supposed to be looking for opportunities to show the love of Jesus. If you want to know what that looks like, just look back through the teachings of Jesus Christ. Just look back at the way Jesus, uh, he, broke up every, he broke up the funerals, man. He healed people. He gave people what they needed. He did things. He fixed broken hearts. He reached out and helped people. Jesus wasn't callous. We cannot allow Christianity through our actions, through the truly the way we live to be described as callous. We have to have pure hearts in service. It says, they were, it says that they're promiscuous. That means it's unbridled lust, outrageousness, shamelessness. I remember my father preached a sermon years ago and it was from an Old Testament text and it, the, the, one, of the, one of the phrases from, for it says, they have lost their blush. They have lost their blush. Lost the ability to blush. Now, 
I am, I am from a different time. For those of you who are younger, I am from a different time. There are things, and I, I'm dead serious here. I am dead serious. Aaron and I go back and forth about this a lot. There are things that I do not believe should be discussed in mixed company. I believe there are, there are conversations and topics that should be talked about in private. That's, that's me. That's me. That's the way I was raised. I make no apology for that. I make no apology for that at all. I know things are different today, but just because they're different, just because society's mentality has evolved that way doesn't mean it's right. Just because you can do something doesn't mean it's right. Just because the majority of people feel some way doesn't mean it's right. The word of God, that's what's right. And it says greedy, or it says they always have a desire for more and more. Always wanting more. That begs the question, is Jesus enough for you? Is he enough for you? Or do you constantly have to be reaching for a new brass ring over and over and over again? First thing is we're not to live the way society lives. Secondly, why? Shouldn't we live the way society lives? Because we have been taught a better way that honors God. That's it, straight up. We've been taught a better way. The word of God teaches us a better way. The word of God shows us a better way. The word of God tells us that there is a better way to live than the way the world chooses to live. Why? Because there is a God, small g, God of this world, and that is Satan. And those who are the children of Satan live according to his dictates and his leadings. But those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, now we have a better way to live. Doesn't make, now listen, doesn't make us better than, us, better than them, doesn't put us in a higher classification. It simply means that we are sinners saved by grace. And now because we have been saved by grace, we are called to live a different way. We've been called to live a better way. And we've been called to live that way, going back to the last point, to protect our testimony, to protect the teachings of the word of God, to protect the integrity and the perception of the Bible in society. It does us no good to preach one way and live another. It just doesn't happen. Ephesians 4 verses 20 through 24 say, but that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. Listen, the better way begins with turning away from our old life. The better way that Jesus has taught us, the very first step, Christian, is to turn away from the old life. Why do you think it's so difficult to turn away from sin? Because that's exactly where Satan wants to keep you. Why do you think it's so difficult to let go of the hurt and the pain and the memory of the past? Because that's exactly where Satan wants to keep you. If you are going to 
live life with integrity and integrity from the Word of God and live life according to the teachings of Jesus Christ, the better way begins with turning away from your old life. Whether that is habits, whether that is things, whether that is just a mentality that you have, whatever it is, you are called to have a new perspective. You're called to have a new focus. You're called to have a new purpose. A conscious decision to change habits attitudes, and actions. Listen, if you were a person of hate in the past, guess what you're not supposed to be as a follower of Jesus? You're not supposed to be a person of hate. There should be no reason for you, there should be, there should be no valid reason that you cling to hate as a follower of Jesus. Making up your mind to follow a different path, the one the, bio, the Bible teaches us about, Living righteously and truthfully. Remember, we talked about righteousness. Righteousness is just simply making the right choices. Living life, making the right choices according to the word of God and living life truthfully, honestly. Living well as a follower of Jesus requires a pure heart. Living well as a follower of Jesus requires a pure heart from us. Simply put, this is a heart issue. Powerful, fruitful service begins in the heart of an individual. Is it really your desire? Listen, if your desire is not for Jesus, then you're going to find every excuse and you're going to be able to validate every excuse not to be in church, not to get involved. Listen, I'm not talking about being sick. I'm not talking about when, when things come up or taking a vacation. I'm talking about letting everything under the sun come before you and your service to God. The moment you start taking yourself out of church for any reason other than something that's valid, because we have a command to be in church, that's the moment you begin to walk away. That's the moment you begin to allow things in your life to take a priority and to start changing your thinking. I know, man, we get hot and cold, right? People get hot and cold. People get on fire and they cool down. The idea as a Christian is to be as even as possible. Remember James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded person is unstable in everything. So we need to be singularly focused on Jesus Christ and make sure we're doing the things that we're supposed to do. True followers of Jesus are loyal and faithful to his call on their lives. And make no mistake, I'm going to go back and I'm going I'm to ride this horse a little bit more. Make no mistake, folks, being part of a local church and faithful to a local church is, what it, is one step in being a good follower of Jesus Christ. Well, I don't have to go to church to worship God. No, you don't. But you do have to be, you, listen, listen. Okay, if you're watching on, on Facebook or YouTube, listen, and it's going to be recorded so you can get it. You don't have to, to go to church to worship God. You can worship him in any, anywhere. But you do, but you do have to go, go to church to be obedient to God. Let me say that again. You don't have to go to church to worship God because you can worship God anywhere. But you do have to go to church to be obedient to God. 
Okay, maybe that's the defining line that we should make. Oh, and people say, oh, I don't believe in organized religion. Okay, listen, honest, let's just be honest, okay, because we're talking about honesty and truthfulness. If you don't want to go to church, just don't go to church. If you don't want to be in church, just don't be in church. But stop making lame excuses, right? I mean, let's just, if we're going to be honest, let's just be honest. Let's get where the rubber meets the road. Don't make those lame excuses about uh, why you don't go to church. Because remember, one day you're going to have to tell Jesus why. (laughs) He's the one. You don't have to answer to me. You're going to have to tell him and explain to him why you thought your, your interpretation was the right one. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says, Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Listen, Christian, you can't fake it till you make it. Can't fake it till you make it. You need to be the best you can be right now. If you're living this life right, if you're living the life of Jesus Christ and his truth right, then you're going to be growing all the time. You're never going to be what you want to be ultimately until you get to heaven. As a Christian, you can't fake it till you make it. Faking it is called being a hypocrite. You need to put those principles into life, into practice right now. You're either trying to live a clean life or you're not. Matthew 23, verse 26, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also become clean. Remember, what's in the heart comes out in the life. What's in the heart comes out through the mouth. What's in the heart is truly what motivates you to live. And Jesus is challenging us to clean the inside first. Clean the inside of your life first. And then if you're if in your in your heart, in your in the truth of your spirit, in your in the truth of your purpose, if you're truly pursuing Jesus Christ, that will come out in your life. It begins in the heart. It's a heart matter. It's a heart condition. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee, those of you who grew up in youth groups, how many times did you hear this verse? Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, doing with those, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Those youthful passions, those, those desires, Immature, what what he's saying here is those immature desires. Run away from them and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You want to live with a pure heart? You want to have a pure heart? Turn away from the sinful passion, the sinful desire. Listen, man, I know that sounds so simple. Because I know that things that we've given ourselves over to, things that at one time had control over us, truly don't like to let go. And it's very difficult to get over some things. And I'm not minimizing anything at all. What I'm trying to say is this. If you truly want to follow Jesus Christ, 
then you've got to be willing to turn away from the things that are holding you back. You've got to be willing to make changes if changes are needed. There's no other way. The next thing in, in how we live with a pure heart, the love we display towards others extends directly from the love we have for God. Wonder why there's so much hate in the church today? Because a lot of Christians really don't love God. That's just the fact of the matter, man. A lot of Christians love their money. A lot of Christians love their way of life. A lot of Christians love their denomination. A lot of Christians love their tradition more than they love God. Don't think so? Try making changes in a church. Try, try to make changes in a church, man. Try to do something that you think is best in a church for everybody and see what happens. Because eventually, and I'll promise you, as, as you, as you stay at New Life and you grow and become more and more involved, and as we as a church become more and more involved uh, and grow, Eventually, there's gonna, there's, things are going to change because we're all about uh, making the changes that we need to make. But eventually, we'll get on to your sacred cow. Look out. I'm sure there's an email coming my way. Folks, we've got to make sure that Jesus is our priority. We've got to make sure that we love God more than we love the things of this life. And we've got to make sure, so sure, that we are willing to follow him rather than what we think that we continue to be willing to see things from a different perspective. The love of God. If our love for him is pure, our love for others is more likely to be pure. The plan is that this love will change the perspective, the attitude, and the heart of others so they will soften to the gospel. The old phrase, you catch more bees with honey than vinegar. Well, that's true. And you reach more people and you make more of a difference in the lives of individuals with a sweet, godly spirit than you do with an angry pitchfork in your hand. You reach people better when you overlook differences and try to find common ground. And you, you reach people better when you acknowledge the elephants in the room and work through them. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. 1 John 3.18, Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and truth. In other words, don't tell me how much you love people. Show me how much. You, don't tell me how much in love with Jesus you are. Show me how much in love with Jesus you are. John 13, 35, by this, listen, man, these are the words of Jesus. By this, will every, uh, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love, oh, got to finish that verse. If you love one another. He was talking to his disciples. He was talking to his followers. He was talking to us. 
We have to love each other. You, can, you will not effectively love the world if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ first. And you will not love your brothers and sisters in Christ first if you do not love him best. Let me say that again. You cannot love the world correctly if you do not love your brothers and sisters in Christ first. And you cannot love your brothers and sisters in Christ first if you do not love God best. He has got to, what is that? Your bay? Is that, I, I'm sure that's old terminology now, right? I'm way behind the curve, but he's got to be your, that, does that mean before all everyone else or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. See, I, anytime I try to get into modern terminology, I get, yeah, no, I'll just, I'll just say, he's got to be your number one. All right, he's got to be your number one. Try to be cute and cool and it just backfires. Jesus has got to be your number one. If you love him best, if you love him most, then the love of Jesus will flow from your heart and you will do things that you never thought you would do. You'll be able to accomplish things you never thought you could and you'll be able to overcome things in your life that you never thought you would get rid of. Telling you folks, you've got to love God, but I don't feel loved by God. Okay, listen, man, I get that. I get it. I get it. And I want to say this tactfully and lovingly. If you don't feel loved by God, then you're too far away from him. You have got to move closer to him. Stop listening to them out there and start listening to the one up there. Shut off the noise of the world. Because, man, if you listen to the noise of the world, it's going to tell you a different story. But if you truly want to experience the love of God, if that is what your problem is, that you feel God doesn't love you, then you need to at least give him the true opportunity to show him how much he loves you. The problem isn't with God. The problem is with you. And I know that's hard for some people to take. But folks, that's the honest truth. The problem isn't with God. The problem is with you. And we've got to acknowledge that. Move closer to him and see what happens. And lastly, it means that we lead with God's love. God's love is our first step out the door. God's love is our first step down the path. God's love is our first step into the room. God's love is our first step into the world. God's love is our first step into the church. We lead with God's love. It's time to bring back the love of Jesus. Not our desires, not our opinions, not our wants, and definitely, definitely not our, prior, not our philosophies. It is time to bring back the love of Jesus. Simply, easily, and basically, the love of God for others. Folks, that we, we've got to bring that back. We've got to bring that back. We're struggling in our society with color. <laughs> Come on. Listen, some guy just shot and killed 10 people yesterday in Buffalo, New York. What was their crime? What was his vengeance about? They were black and he was white. 
Are we paying attention? Are we seeing what's going on in our society? Not just in our society, in our church. If you haven't noticed, I have five children of color in my home. (laughs) Folks, I've had to learn how to parent differently. I'm indebted forever to Melvin Edwards for his, his mentorship, his advice, his counsel, his wisdom, and his love and compassion. One of the greatest men I know, and one of the men I'm so proud to call friend is Melvin Edwards. If you haven't noticed, Melvin has a pretty good tan. I love this man like a brother. This stuff has got to stop for Christians if we're going to share the love of... Folks, it's still going on. My children, my five children experience racism, cold, brutal, ugly, nasty racism from Christians as well as those outside of the church. Don't tell me you love God if you can't love your brother or sister. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear your garbage. And that's exactly what I mean. Until you can look at someone and as Dr. King said, see the content of their character and the, and the condition of their heart as the priority rather than the color of their skin, well, man, you just don't understand the love of God and you're not leading with the love of God. How we're still fighting this battle in the, listen, I get it out there. Those are people that don't know Jesus. Those are people that Satan twists their minds and their thoughts and their purposes all over the place. I get that. But how we're still fighting those battles in the church, I don't understand. I don't understand. Folks, we've got to lead with the love of Jesus. Everything we do, going to work, (laughs) is tough, isn't it? It's tough getting out there and working every day in that environment. Lead with the love of Jesus. Raising children, Losing your mind, it happens. And I'm serious as a heart attack. You look at, so our, our assistant pastor, uh, Oswaldo and his wife, you want to know how to, you want to know how to love your children or raise your children? Look at this couple right here. Working themselves to the bone to build a business and to provide. And they're at everything these kids do and track and field and baseball. And they're there, man, that's what it's about being present for the love of God in the lives of your family, leading with his love. Is that what you're doing? We've got to lead with love. We've got to lead with God's love. It's got to be our first step into life, the love of God. The difficulty with that that is that we must deny ourselves. We've got to deny our desires. We've got to to deny our instincts and even our personal feelings and points of view in order to accomplish God's plan. Our comfort, our wealth, whatever is needed needs to take a back seat to the love of God. Romans 14, 20 says, do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. Don't let your prejudices. Don't let your desires push someone else away from Jesus. In the church or out, 
1 Timothy 1.5, now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. James 1.27, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, it's not me saying that, it's the word saying that. If you're just a doer, if, you, if you're just a hearer of the word, if you're, if you're putting on a facade, you're just deceiving yourself. You've got to lead with the love of God. This is literally being willing to love others unconditionally without prejudice or condition. Living with a pure heart leaves no room for discrimination or differences as your reason for not getting along. We're supposed to be blind to everything except their need. We're supposed to be blind to everything except their need of a savior. That has got to be our motivation. You want to know what it means to live with a pure heart? Living with a pure heart simply means that you live with the conscious understanding that people are lost and dying and on their way to hell and the love of Jesus is what they need. The savior that died for them is what they need. And that has to be your motivation. Living with a pure heart. It's not easy. It's not popular. It's not always fun. But it's the right thing to do. And you never get in trouble for doing the right thing. Especially if you do the right thing for the cause of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for the power of it in our lives. Father, it's so difficult today. I, I just acknowledge it, Lord. I think if we don't, we're just fooling ourselves and everybody else. It is so difficult to live that way today, the way we talked about. <clears throat> it truly is. There's so much opposition. There's so much turmoil. There's so many different things vying for our attention, vying for our thought process, vying for our passion and love. Even good causes that seem to be worthy, Father, sometimes take us away from our, what our focus should be. Oh, Father, would you draw us back to you? Would you draw us back and give us a pure heart so that our motivation is pure, so that our love for you is first and best? Lord, as we go from this place today, would you watch over us and protect us? Father, we have many that are sick right now. Would you bring them back to health? Those who are hurting, pray for our associate pastor right now, Lord. Would you uh, just relieve that, that terrible pain that he has right now. Bring him healing. And God, may we be effective worshipers of you this week. May we love like you love, and may we lead with your love. Bless us in your name we pray. Amen.